from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 503 in the Pew Bible. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light become, around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful all your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them, and they are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. The word of God for the people of God. So... Last Sunday was Youth Sunday, and all I can say is, wow. You know, I, I'm always so inspired by the way God's at work in our youth. And if you weren't here, I just want to encourage you to go online and listen to the message that Kyle Holcomb and Haley shared. Um, wonderfully inspiring to see God at work in their life and the difference that this place makes in their life. In preparation for Sunday, um, Emily Felgenhauer, our youth director, she reached out to the students to see where they might like to serve or how they might want to participate in the worship experience. And one of the emails went to one of the students' family's email account. And uh, the youth got it, but his younger sister got his hands on it first. And she's in elementary school, and she read the call for who wants to serve on Youth Sunday, and she quickly responded with great enthusiasm, I'd help, I'd love to read scripture, she said. And so she joyfully volunteered her services, at which point Emily had to um, call her up and thank her very much for wanting to serve on that Sunday, but they were sort of looking for the youth However, uh, the Sunday before, we needed a scripture reader in Magnolia, and so would she like to go join and read scripture there? And she said, of course, yes. And so she, along with uh, Emily and Natalie Martin, read scripture, and they were absolutely awesome. You know, I never get tired of hearing the stories of how people are lifted up and how people are inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, and I never, ever get tired of watching somebody step into God's grace and unleash 
who they are to serve and love others. Giselle, she reminded me of that free spirit that we often see in children. You know the one that the, the spirit that lives in them that knows what they like, the things they think they're good at, and they don't really much care what other people think yet, and so they are able to step out in faith. Got into thinking, not a wonder, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these. So today we're kicking off our worship series entitled Unleashed, and we're going to be looking at unleashing the spirit that resides within each of us. It's the opportunity for us to tap into God's version of ourselves and explore what we might do with that. But before I jump into the text today, let me just be clear about what this series is not. It is not about getting us to do more. It's not about filling in boxes or slots. It's not about us signing up for stuff. It's about us connecting to God's spirit that lives within us. I loved how one writer put it. He said, we flourish when our spirits are rooted and shaped by the spirit of God. And God wants to do that in a way that uniquely fits you. And when I think of that, I couldn't think of a better text to get us started with this worship series, Unleashed, than by looking again at Psalm 139. I think if there's anything you hear today from me, remember the number 139 in the book of Psalms. And if ever you are needing a lift from God and to wonder how God sees you, open this up and read 139. But I will go a little bit more than just that. This psalm, Psalm 139, is one of the most personal uh, psalms in the scriptures. And in this psalm, the psalmist celebrates the goodness of God. You can hear, really, when you heard it read, there's this very personal relationship between the psalmist and God. To begin, the, the psalmist addresses God with a very personal name, Yahweh, in verses 1 and 4. But the psalmist also uses the second person pronoun, you, ten times in the first six verses. You searched me, you know me, you discern me, etc. In addition to that, the psalmist refers to themselves thirteen times in this text. You have searched me, you know me, when I sit, when I rise, my thoughts, my path. One early 20th century Jewish philosopher offered these words about the relationship between God and humankind. He said, where I wonder, you. Where I ponder, you. Only you, you again, always you. When I'm gladdened, you. When I'm saddened, you. Sky is you, earth is you, you above, you below, and every trend at every end, only you, you again, and always you. In this psalm, we can hear the personal relationship between God and the psalmist. And it's not only emphasized by the words of I and you, but there is another repetition of a word. It's the verbal root word, yada, to know. That word yada, to know, is used seven times in this text. He says, you know me. You know my words completely. 
At the very end, it's search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my thoughts. Now this word yada is actually not as unfamiliar to us as we might think. We actually can find this word yada being used in our culture even today. I mean, think about it. How many of you have ever heard the saying, you know, yada, yada, yada? <laughs> right? See? That was made comically famous from the TV show Seinfeld, where the main character, George, is chatting up with his girlfriend. And every time he wants to skip over a detail or avoid telling the truth, he says, well, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know? How many of you have ever said that? Or is that just like a more northern phrase? Anybody else ever said that before? Watch yourself and see when you do. In this clip, yada is a way to avoid details, insecurities, and uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes we use it that way. Sometimes it's because we want to move more quicker into a conversation and we miss a deeper connection with others. But God's yada isn't like that. God's yada is God fully knowing us and loving us anyway. God sees past our own stuff and he looks deeper, deeper at our core and to who we were created in the image of God. Now, if you're like me, there are times when we can lose sight of God's knowing of us or we can find it hard to imagine that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. But you are. Each of you are. And if we're honest, there are times when we don't want to be fully known, right? Our fears and our insecurities, our inadequacies, even sometimes our grief, definitely our sin, it gets us in the way of seeing how God sees us. It can get us even sideways into understanding what it means to be known or to know God. We can spiral downward. We can get stuck into negativity. Sometimes I think we become afraid, afraid of what being known might ask us to do. But I know for me, when I get stuck, it's because I give my power over to those fear and insecurities and doubts. I can allow them to dominate or consume my thoughts. And I think when we do that, it's easy. It's easy for us to lose sight of our gifts, our talents, our strengths. We lose sight of what brings us joy, and we lose sight of feeling connected to God. But the psalmist the psalmist reminds us that we don't need to lose hope because God is always there, even when we get sideways. God is there and ready for us to connect back to God's spirit. And so we got to thinking, if God fully knows us, the created part of us, the goodness, the love, the joy that God has created and implanted in each one of us, well, then what do we do with that? I mean, how do we get past that gap that so frequently exists between the current me, the me that I think I am, that we are at the present time in our life, and how do we move into that God's version of me? Well, in the book, uh, The Me I Want to Be by John Ortberg, he offers us up a couple of visuals 
that some folks have found helpful in guiding them in that question of living out and connecting into God's knowing of ourselves. And I want to share them with you and see if you might find them helpful. Um, but Fortberg suggests that our problem is that we often think that we close this gap between the current me that we are and God's version of me on our own. That this gap that exists between the me and that I am and the me that God made us to be is closed by trying harder. Take a look at this slide and this image. Anybody ever find yourself here as you're trying to move, looking at the current me? You try harder. Then what happens? You get fatigued, and then you quit, and then you feel guilty, and then you try harder, and then you get fatigued, and you quit. Anybody ever else, or is it just me, that gets stuck in that circle, right? I mean, we do. We, we get stuck in this circle that says, you know, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not smart enough, or talented enough. And so we do, we try harder, and we get books and classes, and we sometimes pretend, we think, well, let me fake it till I make it. But what happens is that not those, those things aren't good for us, but we can get caught in this cycle. We make that the means to the end. And the writer, he offers up to us that the problem is that as we continue in this faith journey, we think that we fill that gap between the current me and the sanctified me by our own efforts. And he reminds us that God's plan is not just for us to be saved by grace, but to live by it. So take a look at this second visual that he offers up. In this visual, we're invited to step in to God's grace, into God's yada, God's knowing, that place where God sees you the beauty of you, the uniqueness of you, the way in which God formed you. God is there and sees you, and the invitation is for us to step into God's grace in that moment, release the need to try harder. I mean, think about it. What would happen if we could be vulnerable enough with God to look in the mirror and attempt to see even a glimpse of what God sees in us, the gifts that God's given you, the strengths, the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace that are inside of you. And what would happen if we could pray? Pray for the courage to release those fears and inadequacies, that negativity that keeps us from seeing God's goodness, in ourself, and in the person that sits next to us. And then what if we trusted? What if we trusted God and God's grace to guide us into the me that we're meant to be? The truth is that we all have goodness in us, no matter how flawed you are. We all have gifts and talents and deep within each of us, there are cavities, cavities of hope and joy and possibility. And they're all there waiting for us to discover at every stage of our life. I remember a few years back, I was in a small group. And a friend of mine was going through a really rough patch. 
And he was looking at how he would connect to God and what he might do in this new season of his life. And he was feeling blocked off. And I think he would say that he was having a hard time feeling blocked off from the good parts of himself as well. And so we, he started out saying this, one friend to another, you know, I used to like making stuff with hammer and nails, but it's been a long time. Two a few months later, he said, you know, I've been thinking about getting some new tools and maybe making something with it, but I don't know. So several months later, when we're in a small group and they're looking at their purpose in life and asking how they might use who they are, their joys, their interests, their passions, their gifts, to make a difference. During this small group, we opened ourselves up to God's grace. We released what was getting in the way. We released trying harder. Instead, we just sat and we prayed. We prayed to embrace God's knowing and God's love for us. We prayed that we might release whatever it was that was blocking us from seeking the presence of God in our own lives. And I remember a few weeks later when John Mercer walked into my office and he said to me, you know, I've been thinking about this. I don't know if I'm good at this carpentry stuff, but I do love it. And we've been looking at our gifts and talents and what we like to do. Do you think there's anything I could do with, like, making stuff for God? Well, sort of tongue-in-cheek, I said, yeah, I got some cabinets that I need for my office build. You could, like, make those. I mean, I don't have to be spiffy, spiffy or nothing. Give it a try. And to my surprise, he actually took me up on the offer. And so he came into my office, and he started measuring out. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what these, you know, are going to look like. It's like telling your, you know, five-year-old, go ahead and make something, honey. I'm going to use it forever. Well, take a look and see what showed up in my office with a hammer and some nails. Yeah, who knew? There is this handcrafted piece that like goes together, tongue and groove on the edges. That cross is actually an intended cross of wood. It's rough. And the next picture, I don't know if you can see it, there's actually a fl flame. He decided to try a new tool that like carves the flame of the Holy Spirit in the piece of the work. He said, you know, maybe I, maybe I could do something with this. Well, Saturday, he and a team of other carpenters and servant hands gathered together in the Harnish Activities Center, and they set out to start building the set for VBS, where 400 kids are going to come here to experience God's love. Just some hammer and some nails, some woods and a wheeling heart. All of that team stepping into God's knowing, and deciding they'd see what might unfold. That yada word, it's a rich word used in biblical Hebrew language. It's got a whole range of meanings. I found that some form of the word is used 60 times in the Psalter. It emphasized the concept of knowledge. That critical element is, they said, an element of a meaningful relationship. When you think about it, we are to know God just as God knows us. The psalmist says, it was you who formed my inward parts. It's you who knit me together in my mother's womb. Each of us was formed, formed and framed by God. God's eyes beheld our unformed substance. Each of us 
Each of us is reverently, wonderfully, remarkably, and differently made. Made in ways that are beyond human explanation. I caught a glimpse of this Friday when we opened the Portico Cafe. The Portico opened this cafe with a mission and we had the ribbon cutting and it was pretty amazing to be down there. Listen to some of the words that folks shared as they expressed who Hyde Park, this church is to them, to our community. Hyde Park is a church that takes your message out to others and to those who need to hear it. What Hyde Park does is it touches and it changes lives, and it's not just about you, it's bigger than you. You just don't do it on Sunday, but you always look to do it every day of the week. This cafe is more than coffee. As you rise, may you also lift up others. As I, as I heard these words, the way in which other people expressed how they see this community of faith living out this mission to make God's love real. As I thought of all those generations that have gone before us, who have seeked to, to live out this mission and to live out living from their gifts and their talents to serve and love others, I, my eyes were just filled with tears because I looked around the room when I thought about who God has made each of us as a church, I also looked around and saw all of you. I mean, this didn't just happen on its own. This cafe is the collective work of men and women creating and leading, guiding, supporting, and serving. It's people who said yes Yes to stepping into God's grace and yes to offering themselves up with their gifts to love others, to be known, and to know God. You see, your life matters. God has created you, created each of you differently, wonderfully, and God has created each of us, each of us, to make a difference at every stage of our life. My prayer is that as we live into this series, that we never underestimate what God can do when we unleash God's version of ourselves to love and serve others. As I close, I'd like to close with this prayer. It's a prayer written by Joyce Rupp. It's called The Cup of Life. And as we prepare to meet God at this table, I want to offer it up as we listen to the words in our offering, but offer this prayer up as a time for us to reach out and invite our generous God to unleash God's spirit within us. Let us pray. Generous God, so many times we have come with our cups empty, a beggar of the heart, devoid of nourishment, depleted of energy, and you have filled. Generous God, so many times we have come afraid of the unknowns, full of negatives and no's, 
fighting the challenges, closed and resistant to growth. And you have opened. Generous God, so many times we have come a stranger to our spirits, crammed with cluttered noise, caught in endless chatter, crowding our inner space. And you have emptied. Generous God, we come to you again, holding out our waiting cup, begging that it first be emptied of all that blocks the way, and then asking for its filling with the love that tastes like you. Amen.